What's up, guys? This is Sarah, and welcome to Tom Babe. Today, I have a new guest, Justin Adams. He is the founder of The Forge Project, where he coaches men in numerous areas of their lives, including mental and physical health, fitness, sexuality, business, creativity. And he even has his own podcast under the same name. And he says that his ultimate goal is to foster the growth of excellence in men by challenging their socially conditioned beliefs and guiding them toward their essential selves. Justin can tell you so much more about this, and I can't wait to dive into all of this with him. Justin, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for hanging out with us on Tom Babe. Yes, yeah, sir. Thank you so much for finding me and hitting me up. And uh, we we had a, a great back and forth. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting into the conversation because it was certainly electrified. I was saying this, guys, whoever's listening, before we started recording that I really struggled with finding pages like Justin's. And I don't know if that's just because I'm a woman and I'm just not really searching for that kind of stuff normally, um, but having pages that really do help men in these areas of their lives and preach to their issues as well, and not just women's issues. I think that's super important because we're all a part of a bigger conversation. So Justin, that kind of leads me to how did you, what led you to create the Forge Project? Like, Did something happen in your life? Was it more of a passion thing for you? What started it all actually was a woman. There <laughs> <Right? laughs> we go. So they say, uh, <laughs> but not not in the bad way, in the best mm-hmm. way, right? They, a lot of times you'll hear behind every great man is a great woman, right? And so, so the idea uh, and the support was actually fostered by a woman. And mm-hmm. so, what really what really led up to it was just the trials that I had been through. I was married for. 11 years. And then I got a divorce and I was the sort of typical situation where I had lost myself within the marriage. And this happens to men and women alike. And just when it happens, it's a really sad thing. You lose a sense of identity. And a lot of it has to do with not knowing your roles and not Mm -hmm. knowing yourself when you're going into a marriage. And that happens to a lot of young people just because, you know, we're young and dumb. Yeah, so for sure. I uh, lost my way. Uh, my ex-wife started having to lead the relationship. And that's fine for a little while, but I don't think women enjoy being the leaders for long. Mm. And uh, some resentment grew. And, uh, and once there was, was resentment growing, then there's lack of respect. And once there's a lack of respect, then it's just done. <laughs> right? Wow. Okay. So, uh, but, th- but it, was, it was a good thing though, right? It's like one of the, it's like I, I tell people that getting divorced was the greatest shitty thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Sometimes um, you need that shitty it, stuff it, to it, happen it, to realize. Right. Yeah. And it woke me up to who I was and who I wasn't. And it helped me realize what I was. Actually, like years later through my own training and so on, I, I came to a greater understanding of what it means to be a man and what that means in my life. So I've always kind of had to, to kind of back up to your question. Mm-hmm. I've always been a guide of some sorts. I've studied um, uh, philosophy and Eastern religion for a very long time. I lived in a Buddhist monastery. Oh, and wow. so I've always kind of had this role of being a guide and a teacher. And then I started kind of helping people after I, so like kind of looped that around 
after I was divorced and after I healed, I was helping guys just kind of like out of pocket, not really charging anybody, but just like whenever, whenever somebody had a problem, I would just kind of hop in and give them some guidance. Mm -hmm. And this girl that I was seeing at the time, she said, Justin, you know, you've really got a knack for this. Why don't you do something about it? And, and it first started off as a podcast. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll get the message out there and start spreading some, spreading the good word. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, no, you like really need to like get in there and start helping people, not just speaking on it, but actually getting into the trenches and helping guys out. So I, you know, got some coaching on how to coach um, and some business coaching and how to set up a business properly and sales, marketing and all that. And so I started coaching guys. And now I spend a lot of time on Clubhouse, uh, mm. talking to people and setting up meetings and so on. And, uh, and like I said, really interesting things happened is that I've been getting a lot of attention from women who want guidance of their own coming from men, which, which pings off a nice little idea in my head that despite our modern climate, women still are looking for leadership from men. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't be coming to me, right? Mm. So there's something that I'm doing that's saying uh, I'm comfortable with this guy giving me guidance in some mm. fashion, right? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, that's that's interesting, right? Because it's yeah. not like I'm I'm marketing to them at all, not yeah, one no. bit. <laughs> that is so interesting to me, though, because obviously I found your page and. I look through all your posts and you're very, you just speak to people in a very blatant way where it's just very straightforward and you're, you don't have like a crazy agenda. You don't have this like perspective that people like some people get triggered by it. I've noticed in some of your comments and it's usually women that I've noticed. And then the way you respond to people, it's very respectable and you kind of just put it into the atmosphere and you explain your point of view. And every time I see that stuff going on in your page, I'm like, oh. I agree with him. That's a very respectable answer. And he's not going, pulling the emotional card. Right. And what's interesting is that when you are from just a place of not trying to gain respect, Mm. that you just end up getting it. Right. Mm. And that's what I'm noticing a lot with, with, uh, with guys is that they want to have respect, right? You hear this a lot that men need the respect from women and women need love from men. And, but you can't demand it, right? Once you start demanding that stuff, that's when it all goes out the window on both ends Mm -hmm. uh, because it just gets people defensive. It gets people tight and it really starts exposing that person who's making the demanding because people just naturally will gravitate towards leaders. It's the people who are like screaming, you should be following me. That's the people that you're like, what? You're like, oh, that's no, no. Like you're 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 too loud. You're too immature. Like (laughs) the best leaders, the best leaders are often the type of people who are like, why are you following me? Like, go do your Mm -hmm. own thing. And they're like, no, no, no. We like hearing what you have to say. Like, let's you know speak more. I need to see what you have to say. So that's that's what I've found amongst like a lot of younger guys these days. I've definitely noticed that too, at least in the sense of like leadership and with me in my own life, if I'm going to be honest, I've been trying to learn more about that and understanding that kind of dichotomy of what an actual great leader is. And that kind of, I know that there's something that you said earlier about being led. And in the back of my mind, I was like, you know what, what he said 
probably is going to trigger some women who heard it. And you said that women like to be led in the relationship. And just so like you can explain that more, because I just know in the back of my head, there's some girls listening right now who are like, I don't agree with that. Sure. I want to be the leader. Oh, like, yeah. How would you yeah. explain that in your own way? Right, right. Yeah. And it does deserve, it does deserve some unpacking. Yeah. Uh, like I said about leadership, not asking for leadership, mm-hmm. that's, that's when it can happen. That's when it's enjoyed, right? So as a leader, the person has qualities that produce confidence, that produce trust, that produce safety, that produce wisdom, right? All of the, the, the great qualities that you'd expect from a, a high-end archetypal king, right? Mm. And the king does not demand you to follow them, right? That's what a good leader has. Those are some of the attributes that a good leader has. And when, when I think when, when a woman can feel that from a guy and he's not really caring whether you follow him or not, he's not going to fuss about if you're like, nah, that's cool. That's not for me. He's, he's, that's not really going to bother him much. It's not going to throw mm. him off of who he is. But more oftentimes than not, if he's, if he's just relaxed about it, if she can feel a sense of comfort in his presence, um, and even more so in inspiration, right? Her confidence can grow from his confidence, right? And it becomes mm-hmm. sort of like an accelerator. And you could just, you just feel energized and comfortable at the same time. That's when I'd say a woman likes being led. The only thing mm-hmm. I wouldn't say is wanting to be led. And there are some women who want to be led, but I think just the the feeling of enjoyment or at least the feeling of I'm okay with this is yeah. produced when the guy says, hey, you're okay here. Nothing's going to happen to you. I got your back. I find that this is going to bring me into a whole different question that I wanted to ask you in general, but those qualities you described, what I kind of talk about sometimes is those masculine and feminine energies. And what you're talking about um, specifically in this example, everyone listening is like a heterosexual relationship between a man and a woman. And what I believe is that a lot of these roles can be filled in homosexual relationships as well. I do think that there's some, one person in the relationship who does tend to leave. And I, so everyone likes to be equals, but I do think that if it's like two women dating, two men dating, that there is going to be someone who has more of those masculine qualities. Like, would you agree with that? Or is that kind of not what you're into. Yes. Yes. There's, okay. there is going to be, I, I, I like the idea of, of a balanced sort of thing, but mm-hmm. there's always going to be some sort of, of, of dominant energy. Mm. The trick is, is to have a lot of trust, right? The, the dominant side of, of, of things has also a large responsibility. Mm. They have the responsibility of the other person giving trust into them. And that's what, in, in my experience, a lot of guys lack, right? They oh. lack the things that produce the trust. They lack okay. the things that produce comfort and the feelings of safety, yet they still want the, 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 you know, the little pin on their shirt that says leader, right? <laughs> Without understanding the responsibility that comes with that, right? Someone's trusting their feelings to you. Sometimes they're trusting big decisions too, and uh, and it's it it's a it's a it's a very large responsibility that that can't be taken lightheartedly. Mm-hmm. How, why do you think that 
a lot of men specifically might struggle with this understanding what like that dominant presence and that like leadership quality actually means. Do they not get it? Were they not taught it? Where does that stem from? Yeah, it, it, it stems a lot from not having the examples around them. Mm, so we had, yeah, yeah. We don't have strong fathers teaching sons how to be strong men. Mm. And when I say strong, I mean strong in a myriad of ways, yeah. right? We're talking about physical strength, emotional strength, intellectual strength, um, the, the strength to do proper planning, uh, the strength to see the forest for the trees and see all the trees at the same time. The strength just to be all things. Like my mentor, he says, he says a man has to be all things. And it's, it's, a, it's a huge burden. It is not an easy task to be a man. It's an easy task to be male, <laughs> but it's not <laughs> an easy task to be a man. Wow. So what I think is that it was, it was lost, and this can kind of unravel and go down a, a crazy rabbit hole because I think it started in the 80s when there was a large spike in the divorce rates. And we start seeing a lot more single moms starting around like the late seventies, early eighties. Mm -hmm. And then you've, you're essentially having boys being raised by mothers. And I don't care how smart a woman is. She can't teach a boy how to be a man because she just is not that right. Wow. She can raise him to be a good person, but there's just things inherent that just cannot be taught except by a man. And it's, it's, something that even other men have difficulty teaching because it's something you are, right? Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of self-knowledge and introspection and the ability to deliver it in a way that can be understood. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note there, anyone who is listening to this and is like, I was raised by a single mom or like, I had a, like, blah, 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 blah. Like women are strong. They can raise, they can raise men. It's like, yes, it's true. And it's vice versa. A man can raise a girl and a woman. But at the end of the day, a boy sometimes does, most of the time needs a man to learn how to be a man. And a woman, a girl needs a woman to learn how to be a woman. And we can learn things from each other. Like I can learn something from my father and my brother can learn something from my mother. But without that balance, like I do agree that we do tend to struggle. And I never had to deal with that. I had a mom and dad and I still do. And I still notice that there's some things I gravitated towards in both of them and maybe a little bit too much, maybe it's too little, too little in the other. But I do want all of you guys to realize, like Justin saying right now, if you feel triggered by that, like ask yourself why, why do you feel that this isn't true? Or just because it wasn't something true in your life, are you sure about that? Like, is there parts of your life that you do wish you learned from the same sex or from the same gender? So I just wanted to kind of Put that out there and make, make sure people understand that. Yeah. See, I've got a son and a daughter and there's, my daughter can come to me with a problem mm -hmm. and it will be something that she'll explain, but I will hear it and understand it in a completely different way wow. than her mother will. Her mother will get certain intricacies and certain nuances that I will never understand just simply from the fact that I am not a woman. And, and I could hear every little detail that she tells mm. me about whatever happened at school between her friends and someone that said this and that person said that, and I'll get it in a completely different way. And my understanding and, her, and my advice to her 
might be completely different than what her mother might say, just because her mom is listening with different ears. And it's like, those are ears that I don't have. So I can't teach her how to be a woman in those situations where she's looking for guidance. It's just, it's just beyond my skill set. I don't even have the tools. And it takes humility to know that and, and do that. Yeah. And exactly like you just said, you just took the words out of my mouth, humility and, and honesty. I think, I think a really healthy moment is when you sort of realize that I've obviously don't have kids, but just like thinking from kind of that perspective, like you being a father um, to a daughter, when you realize that like, okay, I don't have everything that my daughter might need. Sometimes I need to like step back and let someone who can help her more take control of the situation, like your wife or someone else in her life, like a, a woman mentor, anything like that. And I, I respect that you can say that because some people don't like that kind of honesty. Mm-hmm. They want to be everything all at once. Sometimes you just need to be like, cause like you said, a man specifically, they need to be everything. And I kind of want to talk backtrack on that a little bit. When it comes to like modern masculinity, do you find that a lot of men still feel that they have to be all of these things in society? Or do you think that's sort of just like an innate thing that men feel? I think if you, if, if a guy listens properly, if he's quiet and he's honest with himself, he can feel the, the reality of that. Mm. However, they will pay more attention to the social pressures, which sometimes line up with, with that truth that's inside. A guy knows when he's not, when he's lacking in a certain something, he knows it, but there's, there's things out in society that will help justify your lack, right? So for example, a lot of young guys, they are, uh, more emotive. They're more deeply in touch with their feelings and there's a strong narrative out there with men just men. It used to be toxic masculinity, but now a lot of it is just straight up men are toxic. And so these guys who don't ascribe to traditional, uh, you know, traditional values or traditional behaviors of traditional masculinity, and they don't have that in them naturally, they'll, they'll be like, yeah, that's really bad stuff. Look at me. Like, see, I'm, I'm the new modern man. I'm emotive. I'm you know, a little bit softer, I'm a little bit more creative and, um, and they feel justified because what they are not is being demonized. So they feel okay in having that lack and they can ignore the feelings of lack. So that because it, because what they're lacking is under fire, right? So like those traditional masculine attitudes and behaviors, that part is under fire, so the parts that they're, which is parts that they don't have. So they feel okay in being this like partial guy. Right. And I'm, yeah. and I say this, that partial, because the parts that they have are absolutely necessary. Right. So it's like, if you've got like a hard guy who's stoic, he's, um, he's say charismatic, he is driven. He's just, I mean, maybe he's even cold but he mm. really gets shit done, right? He's lacking in those more emotive side of things, right? Mm. 
and then the other side, those those softer guys, right? They they can connect well. They bond with other people very well. They they even develop, um, you know, they can become empaths, and that's fantastic. But you still gotta exercise that that simpler side of you know your beer drinking, you know, like <laughs> wood chopping <laughs> lumberjack caveman sort of sort of energy because that's necessary too right society needs strong men in all ways and that's mm -hmm. what i'm saying it's like we need to be strong in so many different ways that's why i said a man needs to be all things he needs to be the four archetypes i don't know if you've heard of like the king warrior lover magician you ever hear of those no please explain it to me i'd love to know about no that. it was uh, yeah, it's a it's a great book. It's by the by the same title, and oh, okay. it's the man is broken up into four archetypes. And so the king, warrior, lover, magician. Um, obviously, we see a lot of the warrior archetype, or we have a lot mm -hmm. in the past, and that's that's the the goal driven does what needs to be done. If there's collateral damage, there's collateral damage, and it's it's the protector. It's the it's where the violence is. Uh, it's where the conquering lies, okay? Uh, the lover, we see that a lot too. And that's what we're seeing a lot of with, with young modern men is they're very much connected to their lover energy. And that's great, right? Because that allows for a lot of creativity. It allows for connection, a lot of appreciation for life um, and, and, and having like deep connections with other people. Mm -hmm. The magician is the dreamer, the 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 schemer, the the um the inventor who's deeply curious about life and says, "Hey, how does this work? Let me come up with something really cool that might solve this problem or that problem." Right? It's the maker and the dreamer, and the the king is the sovereign. He is the one who protects, who presides over, who is say um, the perfect family man who's watching out for the people that he cares for and is full of like wisdom and guidance and like leadership. the alpha and so, in a sense um no well the alpha i think is like a combination of the warrior and the king okay. but it's like but then those those four things are broken into the two categories right the king and the warrior that's a masculine type of vibe and then the lover and magician is more of a a, a feminine sort of vibe so we need all of those things cultivated inside men in order to be a balanced man, right? Mm. Okay. So when you say a balanced man, I know that like when we were messaging each other before this, um, you commented on one of my things about feminine and masculine energies. And I'm very curious about your point of view on this because I know a lot of people don't like to see it through that lens, but then I do believe that some people can really benefit from that. So like, like you said, the masculine is more of that assertive, dominant, get shit done mentality. And the feminine is more of that creative, intuitive, like more passive, but like letting things in sort of energy. Do you find that a man would be more successful and happier if they did balance or harmonize those energies more and know when to use them? Or do you kind of see it through a different lens? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Men, by and large, are awful mm. receivers. <laughs> they they really really are awful they they receive help uh, uh very poorly right like yeah. the guy is the last guy to go to the doctor they don't go to the doctor for maintenance they go they wait until their leg is about to fall off they're like ah, maybe i should see a doctor about this <laughs> that's my boyfriend right <laughs> <laughs> and and so 
it's um they they're terrible receivers they're terrible receivers when it comes to love a lot of them don't know how to receive love from women uh they know how to give it right because again that's that's a penetrative energy right so men are very comfortable being having that penetrative energy and it's like let me show you love right mm. but when it's their turn to sit back and receive love it's very difficult and i think that it's largely tied in with self love uh, because oh. men are so hard on themselves and society is so hard on on men that it's very difficult for them to look in the mirror and say, I love you, right? Yeah. Um, figuratively or literally. Yeah. So they they really have a difficult time with that because their attention is always on performance and being measured by that, by having their self-worth measured by performance without looking at it and at themselves almost in a bubble and removing all the external things and saying, who am I? Do I really appreciate who I am? And not in reflection to anything else, but a reflection of me in the mirror. And, uh, and a lot of guys have difficulty with that. So that's why I challenge, why I say like a challenge is condition norms, because the biggest condition norm that guys are faced with is constantly using an external um, vision that either most likely they've adopted through coercion, through subtle manipulation, through advertising, through media, through Hollywood, and so on and so on, to be a certain something. And then they just follow it without mm. ever questioning who they are within that. So in my work, I, I do my best to kind of find out where their those hooks are and try to cut those hooks. And so that we can kind of like settle back and be like, okay, let's take a breath. Let's separate from the expectations and say, who am I? Mm. And if you don't know, then let's spend some time building up who that actually is, who you want it to be with a greater understanding of what you are. I love that. And that's amazing. And it really makes me think about what you said when it comes to like societal expectations and all of those examples you gave of societal norms and like the media all kind of pushing down on the man. Because when you hear about that stuff, I don't know, again, I don't know if it's because women are more expressive or if it's just a different point of view, but all you really hear about is women being pushed down by these same exact examples you just gave. And I, it's rare that yes. I hear about, or it's just really not talked about as widely as women's issues, the same exact pressures being put on men. And I don't know if that's because women are just I don't know if it's naturally or if it's just expected for them to be more expressive about these issues or I I I really don't know. Do you have a do you think that there's a reason for that? It's because men kind of take that back seat and let it happen to them um because they don't kind of want to shine that light because they know they have to be more dominant in that sense or is it something else? I'm really curious about that. I think I think it's something else. See Okay. Generally speaking as two parts of a species, women are more valuable in a certain respect, in mm. the respect that you have the power to give birth, that you can hold life and give birth. Okay. So if we took like a village that was all women, right? Small village, one guy, just one could impregnate the entire village, right? It only takes one guy. So therefore, by by that sort of default, men are more expendable. And we've been treated as expendable objects throughout history, probably since we crawled out of caves, right? We're needed for certain purposes. And 
that made sense for quite a while when we were fighting against wild animals. Yeah, it was really beneficial to have a strong, able-bodied man to protect the family, children, and to be able to kill, right, for either defense or for food. It still played its, its, its role during the agricultural revolution, through the industrial revolution. All of these things mattered because we had these giant machines that required strong men to move them. And as we got into the digital age, all of that started falling away. We no longer needed that kind of guy anymore. And so they, that, those sort of traits started falling out of our, out of our child rearing and, and like evolving as these traits were passed on. They no longer were necessary, so they're falling away. But what fell away with it was some really good traits that people still need and women still find attractive and so on and so on. But we won't go down that rabbit hole right just yet. <laughs> what it is is that they're that men are still feeling um, expendable, right? But now because of social media, uh, where we can speak out, where there's there's things like podcasts, where there's you know Facebook, Instagram, and now Clubhouse, men are coming out and speaking on, I'm tired of feeling like a cog in the machine just so I can make money for you know, a family that doesn't even appreciate me, wow. right? So that, or, or being, being ushered into the program of the nuclear family in America so I can get married and so on and so on, just to fall into the statistics of the divorce rates they're climbing so that I can have, you know, more half or more than half of all my possessions taken from me and I have to go live with my mother. So they're like, they're just tired of feeling expendable, right? Yeah. And um, I, there was a stand-up comic, I forget who said it. He's like, I think it was Bill Burr. And him. he's like, why is this whole? Why you, yeah, he's like, why is this whole thing about like when the hostage situation? They say let the women and children first, right? Let yeah. the women and children go first. Don't kill the women and children. And he's like, what the hell? I'm just as not bulletproof as women and children, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like why? Why? And it's because of that. It's because we have just like a long history of being expendable, and men are just sick of feeling expendable. Like they're like, no, I matter. Like I'm more than just what I can do. Yeah. Like I'm a person. And so a lot of groups are starting up a lot of like rooms on clubhouse that are really good for men that they're able to come in and open up about their feelings and connect with other men outside of online in real life. There's, there's groups that men get together in these huge retreats and, and it's like, you're having like just masses of men, like hugging each other and crying and really connecting with one another about the struggles of being who they are and what they are. So, so it's growing, it's growing, but, uh, but still the mainstream society doesn't have programs, you know, like women have tons of programs and support structures, you know, there's, there's like for like battered women. Right. And it's like, oh, you've got like a fucked up battered situation. You can go live in this home with like other women and there's support and all this stuff. Like, but there's no home for a man who's been battered psychologically by his wife, right? Wow. He just has to sit there and take it. And if he speaks up about it, you know, he's a pussy, right? Yep. If he exactly. speaks up about it because his wife punched him, he's the one that gets taken off in cuffs because automatically he's seen as the aggressor, even though he's the one with a bloody eye, right? Wow. So it, it's Jeez. like... This, the main like the main structure still hasn't changed uh your common systems haven't changed to to see beyond men as just a function 
And because that's just more responsibility. There's more responsibility for the system to see us as something more valuable than what we do. Do you think, though, that a lot of those things aren't shown a light on? Because I've noticed women specifically saying that like any man who talks about this just like hates women and they're narcissistic and they're they're not like they're trying to push an agenda against women and like continue the patriarchy and like that's what i constantly see time and time again in response to like everything you just said in my point of view if you say if we say we want like quote unquote equal rights or equity between the sexes in that sort of sense then we have to make sure each side is getting the same help in, in an essence, you know, like make sure they're getting the same support. Yeah. The same care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so again, I keep mm-hmm. saying this, but it's just because I want people to, who are listening to really get it. This isn't coming up from a place of hating women. We have a lot of women listeners and we have some guy listeners. This is coming from a place of understanding that men also have struggles and they're dealing with very similar things just from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure we keep that in mind because we can't just have one sex be better than the other and make sure that we're only shining a light on one. Like you said with, of course, domestic abuse is terrible, but when it comes to battered women, there's also battered men. And it's a different sort of situation, but at the end of the day, someone is getting hurt and that's not okay. And that's messed up. And that can apply to like every other situation. Just because a guy is bigger doesn't mean that he can't get hurt. I 100% agree with you on that. It's so interesting to just hear someone say that straight up and not really have such like an emotive response to it, just straight up facts and talking about these issues and and just saying it. Like, I feel like people have such a problem just saying it because they're afraid that women are going right. to attack them. You know what I mean? Do you do you deal with that? Are you afraid that some things you say women will take the wrong way? Uh, I mean, I'm not concerned about it. Uh, mm. I'm not concerned about someone taking it the wrong way because I can't control their ears. I can only control what comes out of my mouth. So as long as I feel I'm being as genuine as possible with the understanding that I might ruffle some feathers, so be it, right? As long as my intention isn't to ruffle feathers, then then it's okay, right? But Mm -hmm. you can't control how someone hears something because they're hearing with a whole history of their lives behind it. Yeah, uh, and and all their experiences, and you just can't control that, you know. And something about like the the battered men, I just wanted to point out that that largely women don't fight men with their fists; they fight men with their words. Mm, and a woman abuse. can completely, completely destroy a man, and it could be in one big fight, or like in my case, it could be death by a thousand paper cuts. And so over a period of eight years, I had, you know, my ex-wife was like that. It was just like a little peck, little peck daily, a couple times a day. And before I knew it, I was whittled down to nothing. Now, I have to take responsibility for part of that because I allowed it, right? Mm. And that, that was due to me not having a full understanding of who and what I was. I didn't have a set of codes and principles that I lived by. I didn't have rules and I didn't have boundaries. So on one hand, I allowed it to happen. I take responsibility for that. But on the other hand, just to show it, shed some light on how sometimes women can really deconstruct men uh, and um, abuse them in some senses is through subtle manipulation. And it can really break him down to nothing, right? And what's tough is that how do you talk about that? 
How do you yeah. prove that that's actually ruined a part of your life? It's one thing if a guy hauls off and breaks a woman's nose and she can say to the police, look, he bashed me in the face with his fist. It's right here. But how do you prove to a police officer over henpecking that took years to the point where you're just a nothing of a person, right? And, and, but you're still filled with the same amount of pain and that might actually even be more pain, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, if I could just tell you like a, a, a brief little story about uh, Bruce Lee. Go for it. Um, I was reading his biography and he was talking about uh, when he was formulating Jeet Kune Do, which was the martial art that he designed. Um, he, it was full of theory, but he was all about practice uh, or, and, and like practical application and what, what he keeps what works and throws away what doesn't. So he had to go out there and test his theories, right? He wanted to be a real martial art that could really help people and not some fancy cat yowling, flipping around and making it look magical, right? <laughs> so what he would do is he would dress up. He liked to dance a lot. He was really into dancing and he would dress up like a total nerd. And he would go out to bars and, he, and uh, you know, where people were dancing and so on. And he would purposely accidentally get into fights with like big brutes, right? And, and he would like purposely get into these situations, like bumping into guys, spilling drinks on people and so on and so on. And, um, and he would get into fistfights with these guys and beat the pants off of them without actually doing anything obvious, Right. It would just be him bumbling around and he would be attacking them and defending himself without actually appearing like he was. Mm. And he said, there's one thing to break a man's bones because and, and that's that's great and all, but they heal. But it's another thing to break a man's spirit. He's like, you break a man's spirit. You basically ended him for life because that can't heal. There's no amount of healing because those guys will forever remember that this little 120-pound Chinese guy kicked the crap out of them without actually raising his fists in front of their face. And that's you know kind of just a little illustration about what can happen to guys a lot of times when dealing with toxic relationships and toxic marriages with women who are, I don't know, um, abusing them in one way or another. Do you have any advice for guys to either – one, prevent getting into something like that, or two, if they're dealing with it right now and they're listening and they're like, you know what, some of that kind of resonates. Like how can someone prevent that or get out of that situation from your perspective? It, it's kind of tough because a lot of it has to do with boundaries and not having boundaries is something that's built up over a long period of time. It's a habit. Right. Okay. And changing habits. I know you probably have habits that you've tried to change, as have I. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to change certain habits. And especially habits that have like kept us going this long. So <laughs> uh, it's it's one thing to change a habit that has obvious destructive nature to it. And it's another that kind of has helped us uh survive. So someone who has what I like to borrow um, from Dr. Uh, Robert Glover's nice guy syndrome. And these guys don't like to rock the boat. They are conflict avoidant. They like to make sure everyone else is happy. Um, again, they're poor receivers. It, it, they really need to try to first learn to say no mm. and challenge their fears when they say no. 
And you got to start small. You have to start with tiny things, even if it's going to cause a fight. So say your wife says, hey, honey, can you, can you unload the dishwasher? And like, say you're in the middle of doing something and you look at her and say, no. Like, it's not going to be the end of the world, but it's going to feel like the end of the world to the guy. It really is. It's going to yeah. be so scary for him to just look up and say, no, I'm busy. Right. And, but it has to happen. It really has to happen um, to start saying no to very small things. Right. Cause it's easier. Go mm -hmm. for the low hanging fruit. That's not going to ruin an entire relationship. Um, but understand it might get into a fight. Right. You got to get in there. 100%. Sometimes you got <laughs> <laughs> like it just starts there. You have to start exercising boundaries and of course, find resources, read books about how to grow boundaries and grow a greater sense of self because that's where it all starts. Mm -hmm. You, you, you prevent these things. Uh, well, it's like preventative is, is easier than curative, obviously. So I would say the best advice is don't get into these situations in the first place. Yeah, because I see I've heard of you know? and I know people who, guys specifically, who get themselves, again, you, uh, living as a woman, you hear a lot of relationships where they say the guy is toxic. But I know a lot of guys where they're in relationships where the woman was extremely toxic. And toxic, 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 that word's thrown around a lot. Um, what does that actually mean? Oh, it means that, again, there's it. like, yeah, that there's boundaries for one person, but not for the other. And I've seen that a lot with men and then they become that nice guy and they kind of become a shell of themselves and like whittle themselves down to someone who just takes orders. And the second that they start to speak up, the woman is just like all in, how dare you say that to me? Like you're a narcissist. Like you can't do like it becomes mm. this whirlwind. So I, I've never been through that myself. Obviously I've never been in that situation, but I do agree that boundaries is like like a really good start to all of this. Knowing who you are, I feel like boundaries mm -hmm. is the first step because like when I started try learning this kind of stuff, I didn't really know what my boundaries were. I didn't really have any and that was just a big problem and it's hard to learn that over time because people start taking advantage of you not having boundaries and then that's how you learn the hard way. And you end up blaming the other person and that's yeah. what the whole toxic Resentment. thing is, right? They, they don't have boundaries. They don't have a complete uh, self-understanding of who they are. Mm. Uh, they don't have principles that they live by. They don't have what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. Uh, they just can feel it in the moment and then they act on it, right? Mm. Uh, so it becomes reactionary. So, so it's like people who don't have this sort of thing, they get all triggered up and then they start blaming the other person. And that's where all these toxic things start happening. But the real toxicity is just not having a set of principles that you live by in the first place. If you had that, you wouldn't be in any toxic environments at all, ever. It's learning who you are in the first place, you know, making sure that yeah. no one can take advantage of that because you're like steady. You have that steady hand in knowing who you are. And I think that that right. really, I feel like a lot of people can go their whole lives without, both men and women, without understanding who that version of themselves is with that steady hand and like having those boundaries and understanding those, like you said, having those principles that they live by. It's such a simple concept yep. that a lot of people just aren't really taught. If you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I wasn't, I mean, They're in not. a sense, we're all taught that in like a That's very, what fathers are for. yeah. And some people just aren't very direct about it. Like they teach you principles, but at the end of the day, some people need to be told like, this is what a principle is. 
Do you know what I mean? Like having this boundary, it's a specific mm-hmm. thing straight in the head. It's not this expressive thing that we need to talk about for hours. This, this is the principle and you're either living by it or you're not. That's something that I've struggled with a lot. And I'm finally learning right. as a woman to fully understand, like I have principles, but am I really, really sticking to them? Or am I letting people slide in past those principles? You know? And a thing that I advise guys in my program, like one of the bits of homework that I have them do is I have them look up codes for various warriors, like either present or past. So I tell them to look up like the codes of conduct for like the Marines, the army, the air force, even like the Bushido, the, um, the, the medieval knights, they all had have codes that they live by honor, integrity, honesty, thing, things of this nature. And I say, just do some research, find out what these are, make a list and use these as inspiration and really sit with yourself and take some time and say, is this important to me? Is this something that I would die for? Right? like literally or figuratively. And and that will kind of like start you off on the path of trying to sort out what your principles really are. And it's it's very rare that people sit down and, and really sit sit and write down, what do I really stand for? Exactly. Outside of big social issues, right? We're not talking about freedom of yeah. choice or <laughs> or things like that, or abortion or or you know healthcare that's that's getting too specific right we yeah. want to get like really core about these things and uh and a lot of people don't take the time to to really sit down and uh, and, and sort that out for themselves and that's where it really begins 100% and i love that and everyone listening that's a little homework assignment you guys go better do that men and women go do that right now little homework <laughs> assignment right after you listen to this podcast because it's it is way. so important and I feel like it makes people uncomfortable kind of taking that moment to sit down with themselves and really kind of go through the weeds and figure out who they are. It's like, it's kind of, I remember doing that for the first time and really sitting down and being like, hmm, shit, what do I stand for? And I've never gone that deep, but I think I'm going to do that too as a woman, what you just said. And I'm going to look for those worries and you know what? I'm going to find someone that speaks to me and I'm going to figure out what my core values are because it's no one's really ever told us to sit down with our thoughts and be like, what do you truly stand for as a human being? Because that's what the human experience is all about. Like, what are you mm-hmm. here for? Who are you? What do you stand for? Because then at the end of the day, everything else, like you said, those bigger political social issue topics should stem from who you are on the inside. You know what I mean? And But some people get muddled because they don't really know who they mm-hmm. are. That's where a lot of a lot of those issues start. And that kind of brings right. me to to the fact that lately, again, social issues, um, especially on social media and with a lot of women speaking up about it, the term toxic masculinity. What is your viewpoint on that? Is that a bad term? Do you think it exists? Is there a different way you'd word it? How do you see that? Well, I made a I made a post about this. Um it it was it was received well by some and not well by others but <laughs> again like i said before it seems like there was a thing for toxic masculinity and it was a certain set of traits and that seems to have moved into a broader sense of masculinity is toxic in general yeah and my post yeah and my post said masculinity is toxic until the barbarians are knocking at the gate Ooh. Right? It's true. It's true. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, just if you look at it, a very simple idea of straight up physical violence, mm-hmm. 
there is an angry, you know, six foot something, 200 pound something armed man that is wanting to do damage, and I'm not just damage, kill, you're going to need something just as powerful or more powerful to make that stop, right? And you're going to mm-hmm. need big, strong men who are capable of violence. Wow. And, that, and that's it. And we can't cherry pick. See, that's the thing. We can't cherry pick masculinity. And this is my viewpoint. This is not me defining it. This is how I live. Okay. We can't cherry pick masculinity. So that part of masculinity that designs Asian Orange and the atom bomb and um, you know mixed martial arts where we just have a sport where guys go in and beat the living piss out of each other. <laughs> That same masculinity also birthed nations, also created civilization, also created indoor plumbing, space flight, telecommunications, right? It's a general sense of penetration, right? Masculinity, mm-hmm. like the symbol, it's an arrow, right? Yep. It, it has a desire to penetrate. And we can't, we cannot say oh, well, we prefer penetration only in one way. One way is acceptable. <laughs> and it's like, well, then you're not getting masculinity. You're getting something else. You're getting a modified thing that suits the collective. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, then you're not getting the real deal. You're not getting the purest sense of this sort of thing. And I'm not saying that, yeah, there's been bad shit that have been done by men, right? Uh, but it's like the good shit also came from men. It's, it's, it's a really, I don't know, for me, it's like, I don't think we can parse out what's good and what's bad and we'll just keep what, what we like and yeah. do away with what we don't like because those things constantly shift over time, mm-hmm. right? Fifty years ago, what was acceptable and what was bad is different today as what's acceptable and what's bad. And I'll let me tell you another story um, about a, a a book that my my mother used to read me. One of my favorite children's books. It was called Bread and Honey, and it was about this little bear who goes to school and he does a painting of his mother, and he's so happy and proud of it, right? And he's like walking back home and he's got his paint set and his, his, uh, his painting under his arm. He's so happy. And he comes across um, Alligator. And he's like, hey, Alligator, what do you think of this painting of my mother? And the Alligator's like, it's great, except the teeth are too small. And he's like, oh, hold on a second. Let me fix that for you. So he does it and he puts this giant grin with all these sharp teeth. And the Alligator's like, much better. And he's like, all right, cool. And he goes along, he's trotting along, and he comes across Giraffe. And he's like, hey, Giraffe, look at this painting. Don't you like it? And Giraffe's like, yeah, it's pretty good, but the neck is too short. And he's like, hold on a second. And he makes <sighs> the neck longer, right? You can, you can yeah. see where this is going, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes across Lion. The mane is too, bi- the mane is too small, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, elephant, the nose is too small. He gets home, and the painting looks like a mutant. Right. And he shows it to his mother and he's like, Hey mom, I made this beautiful painting for you. Don't you love it? And 
this look of shock on the mother's face, like, oh my gosh, that thing is hideous. How could he think I look like that? But instead she's like, it's beautiful. Let's put it on the fridge. I'll cut you a slice of bread and some honey and we'll enjoy the rest of the afternoon. The point is, is that he lost this, the pure sense of that painting by listening to everyone else, by listening to the collective on how to be, what's best, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where guys are getting lost today. There's a huge voice of the collective and they are being, um, they have grown into social media. So their awareness of self is extended far beyond who they're, they're just their bodies and their minds. They're now connected to their social identity. So, and that is under criticism constantly with likes and dislikes and comments and all sorts of things to the point where there's makeup brands made for men. There's filters to make them look like they have abs. There's all sorts of things to, because like altering who they are, who their what their perception is because they've got um, an awareness of the external that's outweighing their perception of self. Mm. And so I have my clients go through a social detox. They have to shut down everything. They close off social media. They close off news and all of it for a month. And it drives them insane because Mm -hmm. it's like cutting off an arm. Right, because yeah, you're literally. so linked with that social identity, and but but it's 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 like a it's like a detox program, like for a heroin, right? You just got to cut it cold turkey, and you'll feel the the withdrawal effects. But it has to be done to to get back to that relationship with self, and then once you do that, then you can customize what is the man you want to be. Who does that look like? Who's the best guy that you can think of that you want to be? And then let's make a plan on how to be that guy. And I promise you, your, your, your friends will love it just by proxy. Women will love it by proxy, right? Yeah. It's like, because you're no longer doing it for them. And it's like, you've been around guys before who stand on their square, who know their chessboard. I know you have, Sarah. And mm-hmm. you're like, damn, this dude. I like him. I like being around his energy. And it's and it's and it's mostly because he's not trying to do anything for your attention. He's not trying to get you to do yep. anything. But you gravitate towards him anyway. And you're like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? And- <laughs> he even just sounded like me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh gosh, it's just refreshing to hear though, like from that perspective. Yeah, and so when guys are more on the up and up, right? When they're living more towards their codes, when they're living by their codes, there's no longer going to be a perception of toxic anything. Right? Because yeah. it's like how do, how do you find a guy who is living who's leading himself such to the degree that people want to follow him, right? Be it his wife, his girlfriend, his kids, or his community, his, you know, the kid's school, whatever. How can you find that toxic, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, part of getting to that level is dealing with your trauma, dealing with your self-rejection, accepting that you need to do work and loving yourself and building upon that and building, building, building to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm fucking awesome. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah, exactly. It's, and I just want people to like getting out of all of this is that men experience this as well. They experience like the self-rejection and constantly doubting themselves and thinking that they need to be a certain way in society and all of these norms that we like to talk about. Of course, men and women can fit whatever norms they feel they want to be in. Like a man can be super manly and a woman can be super feminine. Like it's just the way it is. But at the end of the day, do you, is that coming from a place of truth within you? Is that who you really want to be? Yep. Because if it is, then go for it. That's healthy. I respect that. I can feel it coming from you. And everyone is different. Mm -hmm. And of course, we all have different hormone levels and we all have different life experiences and people who raised us that affect a lot of this. But it's really coming back to ourselves and understanding who that person really is behind all of, all of that mess that's happened in our lives and all of these things that we've inputted and outputted out of our lives. So really coming back to yourself yep. and men experience that just as much as women and in same ways and in different ways. And that's what I really want people to get out of this episode, Justin, is that we experience different things, but we also experience the same things. And you can't just discount another gender or sex or however you want to say it because you're not living that reality. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And it really just takes the, 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 the wherewithal to shut off the outside voices yeah, and say, again, what do I stand for? What do I believe in? How do I feel about myself? Not in reflection of what others think of me, of what mm -hmm. society thinks of me or what society expects of me. What do I want from me? How do I want to live? How do I want to see myself when I look in the mirror? And, and that's, that's really where it begins. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it like with ladies, ladies have been, well, I mean, we both have been dealing with this, um, in our own ways for a long time. I guess it's been a little bit more egregious for women. The, the, mm. the, the voice of, of measuring up has been a little bit louder, I think, yeah. uh, where for men, it's been more subtle. Um, I think that has a lot to do with advertising and such. Uh, where it's like women, you got to look a certain way, you got to buy certain things, and there's the, the the pressure has been, I think, a little bit more vocal in that sense, and and I think like a lot of women are waking up to that too. I'm just mm -hmm. and they're just like fuck this, I I <laughs> I don't buy it, I don't I don't buy the the prescription anymore. I want to be me, and sometimes it's like yeah, I don't know who that is, don't know who that is yet, but I'm I'm finding out. And it just takes exploration. It takes making mistakes and falling down and skin, skinning your knees and getting up again and brushing yourself off and mm -hmm. be like, well, that didn't work. So let me try something else. And that's okay, right? Exactly. Like we have to take certain risks when it comes to self-discovery. It really does. And I'm finding women who are really, really comfortable in being like that soft, nurturing, feminine type of lady. Not being afraid and to be. And they get heat. <laughs> Right. Yep. They get heat. They get heat big time from other women who are like that stereotypical, you know, feminist warrior type. Like you got to stand up and be the thing and do the thing or else you're not a woman. Right. <laughs> do it's the like thing. The, that, <laughs> that rhetoric, like if you're not with us, you're against us sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and these, and these uh, softer, more nurturing feminine women are just like, no, nah, like I really want just like that strong, simple, bold, masculine man in my life, right? I don't want an equal 
uh, egalitarian sort of situation. Like I like the idea of having a strong leader and I can be the strong nurturer, right? Yeah. And that's totally fine. Like we can't, we can't chastise people if they're living in their truth, right? Exactly. If that's where the, if that's where the strongest is, that's where they are strongest and they're not lying to themselves, then so be it. Like do your thing, right? It's like exactly. if a guy is that softer, more emotive guy and he's like, I don't need to have you know, the beer drinking, wood chopping, lumberjack sort of vibe. Like, I don't need that in my life. I am completely comfortable in who I am as, say, like a softer, a more emotive, more connective sort of guy. If mm -hmm. he's honest with himself and he is completely comfortable in that and he can stand on that square and not move, fine. Like, you know, live your truth, brother. You know, but if it's not working, change it. In saying that, like also being honest and saying like, okay, this isn't working for me. Like I thought I was this guy and I'm not actually this guy. I don't want to be this guy. And the same as a woman, like I definitely have noticed, like you said earlier about women who do want to be more in that feminine role. Um, and then other women saying, no, like you're ruining it. You're helping the patriarchy and all this stuff. And I've had <laughs> friends, but I've had friends who are like awesome and know their truth who say, I want to be a housewife. That just sounds so amazing to me. She's like, yeah. I want to be, I want to be at home with the kids. Maybe I'll have a little small business and my, my husband's going to make the big bucks. And I say, you know what? You seem very confident about this. You even admitted that to me. You're a very happy person. That's awesome. Go live your truth. Like that's not my truth, but I mm -hmm. know that that you're not being fake. You're not trying, you're not destroying yourself by filling that narrative. And it's understanding right. that people can have different truths. Like we're not all the same person. And so that's exactly what, like I say again, what I want this episode to be about is that we can all have different truths. But when it comes to men, we need to understand that we shouldn't be demonizing them for all the women listening. And for the men listening, you have a story to tell and you are dealing with things that deserve to be spoken about. And so when you're talking about all these, the new clubhouse groups joining and, and your coaching programs, I really do ask that everyone listening, give that a chance and test it out and be honest with yourself and kind of take that little, it's a little bit scary. It makes a little bit anxious to do stuff like that as a guy. So Justin, if anyone wants to mm -hmm. sort of begin that process with you, what do you offer? I just give you a little plug right here. What are all the things you offer and where can they find all of that? It's on my Instagram, uh, which is coach Justin underscore. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I'm still trying to talk to the coach Justin that has no underscore, but he's ignoring my messages. I want to buy the, <laughs> buy the, the handle off of him. But anyways, uh, I've got a link. I've got a link in there and I do uh, two things off of that. I do a, a free 30 minute clarity call where we just kind of uh, get to know one another and I can just really assess for myself whether the person is going to be a good uh, fit for uh, being a client. And then I also have a la carte uh, training where people can schedule an hour with me and you know they're just dealing with like some small specific problem and we can do some coaching through that for an hour. And then I've got a six-week elite training program where someone has realized, 
holy crap, my life is in shambles. I need to sort this out and I don't know what to do. And they know that they have to make a massive change. Then they, they get on my six week program. And that is set up again, just through contacting me, usually through my Instagram. And more information can be found out about what I do and what the Forge Project is about through my website, which is theforgeproject.org. And there's also links to some of my episodes on the podcast, which can be found on Apple and Spotify. I do um, a number of really great interviews with other coaches, dating people, you know, like dating, uh, dating coaches, uh, other mentors. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun over there. Awesome. Well, guys, I'm going to plug all of those links for you in the show notes. You guys can just easily find all that when you need to. And I do, again, I want to say that anyone who is looking for help, do reach out to Justin or someone like him and look for that sort of content that speaks to more of this side of men that really isn't spoken about a lot because they deserve it just as much as women deserve it. And we need more pages and more leaders like Justin. So Justin, thank you again for coming on today. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, Sarah. <laughs> of course. And so that's it for this episode, guys. Go click the subscribe button. Shoot both of us five stars. Go check out Justin's podcast, The Forge Project. And remember that no matter what your sexuality, sex, gender, whatever you want to call it is, there is space for you in the conversation. And we will both continue to give you that platform. See you guys next time. Music